Hello, hello, hello. Welcome and thank you to everybody tuning in. So this is the first podcast I'm going to be recording for UB Sustainability. So I'd like to start by introducing myself. So my name is Jeremy Sanford, and I am a second year graduate student in the Department of Urban and Regional Planning here at UB. My specialization is environment and land use planning specifically. So uh, I guess you could say I'm pretty new to Buffalo still. Uh, I'm, I just moved here last August in 2020, so it's been a little bit under a year. Uh, so I'm still getting acclimated to all of the joys, the wonders, the sights, the sounds of Buffalo. But as far as some background uh, related to where I've been, what I've seen, I was actually born in Chicago, Illinois, where I lived for a couple of years before we moved out to Northern California near the Bay Area, sort of next to Oakland and San Francisco. So we lived out there for seven years, and then we moved out to Northern Virginia to a place called Stafford, Virginia. So Stafford is a rural suburb of D.C., um, uh, not, not the best, not the worst place, but I guess you could call it my hometown if you had to pinpoint one. So after Virginia, I uh, went off to the University of Wisconsin-Madison uh, to do my undergraduate degree. I got a dual degree in conservation biology and environmental studies. So now here I am in Buffalo, completing my graduate degree. So at UW, or excuse me, at UB Sustainability, uh, I have the role of climate and energy justice student assistant. So I'm going to be helping uh, provide a, a more equitable lens to sustainability and climate mitigation actions that we take as an office and institution at UB. So I'm very excited to get started with that. So other than the office and my studies, I was employed through the Community Resilience Lab under Dr. Zoe Hampstead. Uh, we worked extensively with um, uh, the organization Push Buffalo and their Push Green program, where they worked to weatherize homes in the city of Buffalo's west side. Uh, so we worked with community members to get a better understanding of their experience in weatherization and uh, just climate resilience at large. So I really appreciated that experience. Uh, Dr. Hampstead is no longer at UB. She's now off in uh, California, actually, <laughs> kind of next to where I was from. Um, she is now at UC Berkeley. So congratulations to her, wishing her well. So my first environmental experience, it's kind of a tough one. Uh, environmental is super subjective term, obviously. It can mean a lot of things, but uh, I would say growing up, I wasn't the most environmentally woke kid, <laughs> if uh, uh, you could say that. Um, my parents are very much city people, so they weren't really too in tuned with, uh, I guess, being outdoors, hiking, um, you know, talking to the birds, that type of thing. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I really picked that up from them. I think I wasn't really too in tuned with natural surroundings for the longest time. Uh, but it wasn't until college that I really uh, got got into that and found that side of myself. So uh, Madison, Wisconsin is a great spot for, you know, finding hiking places, uh, getting in touch with scenic environments, natural landscapes, ecological paradigms. It's a fantastic, fantastic city for that. So um, in Madison, uh, at UW-Madison, uh, there is the Arboretum, which is a spot of uh, uh, conserved land uh, where there are so many, so many uh, native plant species that are studied. Um, 
you know, obviously attract a ton of, uh, a ton of wildlife as well. So it's really, really great. I got a chance to volunteer there. So I would, I would label that as my first environmental experience. It kind of like got me on the path of conservation and caring about uh, mitigating the negative impacts of uh, human development on surrounding e- ecology. So thank you to the UW Arboretum. Mm. So for the sustainable development goals, which is my favorite, that's a tough question. So, so many of the SDGs like touch on each other. They're really interconnected and interwoven. And I think it would be a mistake to kind of pull out one to focus on. But uh, I think the one that speaks to me most right now is uh, eliminating poverty. So I think when people are forced to economic extremes, uh, the lowest rungs of the economic ladder, they definitely don't have the privilege of worrying about things like sustainable packaging or, you know, uh, supply chain abuses. They don't have the privilege of, of worrying about that type of thing. So they have to focus on, you know, surviving, getting from day to day. And I think it's really important to frame, you know, issues about sustainability in that context. Um, there is oftentimes, I think, a sort of shaming that goes on in sustainability fields where, you know, it's kind of a, a contest to see who can be, you know, more, more eco-friendly, who can, you know, have the least amount of packaging that's like unsustainable, who can have, you know, the least impact, that sort of thing. And I think it's important to remember that that's a luxury for, for us in the West. A lot of times uh, people worried about feeding themselves and feeding them, their family uh, oftentimes, um, can't really do that effectively. So I think when you tackle, uh, economic, um, disenfranchisement, you really help to empower those who have been left out of conversations surrounding, you know, uh, climate mitigation or environmental, uh, protection. You really enable them to get engaged in pressuring institutions of power to change their actions at large. So uh, I think eliminating poverty is definitely the way uh, that we can do that. That's definitely an integral part of the strategy overall to move towards a sustainable future that we all wanna see. So as far as UB's 10 and 10, the 10 climate action plan, uh, I think think UB is a really great institution for this. I, I really appreciate uh, you be being so proactive in trying to push for climate mitigation and uh, a more uh, ecologically friendly footprint for uh, the university at large. So I, I really appreciate that. Uh, if I had to single out one strategy that I most appreciate, I would say the carbon pricing one is uh, definitely up on my list. So I think due to a ton of cultural practices, uh, Western civilization uh, has definitely bought into uh, commodification of nature and uh, kind of putting dollar amounts on kind of the, uh, the values of uh, things like uh, somebody's life exposed to environmental hazards or um, how much value uh, ecological protection brings. So I think, unfortunately, you do have to speak that language a little bit. Uh, to, to make inroads with a lot of people in a lot of different fields. So I think having a concrete economic policy 
to really incentivize large-scale institutions like UB who have big impacts. You incentivize them to change their their actions away from uh, greenhouse gas emissions, away from carbon emissions. I think is really effective. It's going to be an effective way to uh, to levy in uh, the sustainable actions, renewable energy uh, goals that that we have. And I, I do appreciate you be taking this stance. And I think it can definitely be a gateway to broader scale change, broader scale movement towards a carbon tax. I think that's something that we need to see nationwide and in the international community as well. Mm, so something that excites me about our field, mm, I would say I really love how the youth uh, of the country and of the world really is taking such a strong stance and taking <laughs> the youth. Uh, I'm talking like I'm 40. <laughs> I'm 23, but uh, it is really cool to see teenagers really being on the front lines of protests, of climate protests. Uh, you know, you, you see activists, uh, I'm thinking of, you know, Greta Thunberg, especially, who is really becoming the face of uh, uh, the environmental movement globally. Um, and I really appreciate that uh, there is a recognition that uh, the future is now. You know, there is no more waiting. There's no more putting to the back burner um, of, of progress, uh, climate action. And that's something that I think is necessary. We need to really see uh, the people that we're going to be impacting. We need to put a face to uh, the future generations that are going to, you know, feel the brunt of the impacts of climate change, of uh, ecologically unfriendly practices. So I'm really proud in, uh, uh, in a way of uh, the kids coming up these days uh, for being so strong in their positions. And also, I, I do have some background in sustainability fields and conservation, working at uh, Wisconsin, getting an exposure to the people who are usually present in conversations around climate action and sustainability at Wisconsin, as well as in uh, national conferences that I was able to attend remotely. There is definitely a lack of representation uh, for BIPOC communities in conservation and sustainability fields. And I think for the longest time, it was just something that was, was not addressed. And uh, I appreciate now that there is a recognition that whatever policy prescriptions or solutions or goals that are proposed by uh, an esoteric insular group of people are not going to be reflective of the lived experience of so many people, uh, particularly, you know, BIPOC communities, which are going to feel, they're going to feel the brunt of uh, climate change impacts. And they already are, uh, obviously, you know, places in the global south, people um, in uh, island nations, uh, people of lower income levels are definitely feeling uh, the impacts of climate change right now, you know, increased drought, increased coastal floods, uh, that, sort of, that sort of thing. So um, I think having more representation um, is really crucial for getting uh, the future that we want. And I think sustainability fields and conservation fields are recognizing that and are trying to be uh, active in recruiting people to the table that haven't been there historically um, for intentional and non-intentional reasons. So I do appreciate that. And I'm optimistic 
about the field going forward, being more representative and being uh, stronger for it. And finally, advice for other students that want to get engaged in sustainability at UB. Uh, so I think UB is, a, like I said, a really great school for you know, climate action, for um, environmental issues. I think there are a ton, a ton of student organizations, undergraduate and graduate, that focus on environmental issues and kind of get in touch with a ton of volunteer opportunities in the local community to help out with uh, ecological um, issues. And I think that's a great way. It's a great way to get involved is to go online and kind of look up the different student orgs that are doing really great work and engaging the student body. And also, I think just kind of staying up to date with the UB Office of Sustainability, you know, getting updates on the work that we're doing in the office, I think is a great way to uh, stay in the loop. Um, and I think it's really important to stress that student voices really do matter. Like the UB 10 and 10, which is a very progressive plan for uh, sustainable action at an institutional level. I think that doesn't happen without students at UB demanding change, demanding systemic structural shifts towards sustainability and uh, climate neutrality. I think you need to uh, definitely stress that to the student body, that their voice matters. And uh, being involved is definitely the only way that we're going to get to the future that we want to see. So uh, definitely stay up to date at the UB uh, Office of Sustainability uh, website and definitely get in touch with student organizations that are doing fantastic, fantastic work. So that's all I really have uh, today. So again, I'd like to thank everybody for tuning in, listening to to me go on about myself <laughs> for a little bit of time. So uh, yeah, I guess I'll catch you all next time on the next episode of Jeremy Tells It Like It Is, the UB Office of Sustainability. All right. Thank you.